If you were worried about the Falcons being on the fence about their quarterback situation, worry no more because today we learned that Desmond Ritter is QB1. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, a.k.a. Sirius Black, and, of course, the most humble host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta podcast family, your team every day. And we thank you guys for making Locked On Falcons your first listen as we go through this free agent frenzy. Of course, Locked On Falcons, you can find on a variety of podcast platforms, including on YouTube. Subscribe to us on YouTube and you'll get the video version of the podcast the night before the audio drops. And you can also check us out on your Roku or Amazon Fire TV by downloading the Locked on Sports Atlanta app on your Roku and Amazon Fire TV. So we are in day two of the legal tampering period, and we got some more moves made from the Falcons. One from late Monday night where the Falcons signed linebacker Caden Ellis of formerly of the New Orleans Saints, and then again Tuesday morning when they signed Taylor Heineke, formerly of the Washington Commanders. Later in today's episode, we will talk about Caden Ellis. Later, we will be joined by David Harrison of Locked On Commanders to talk about Taylor Heineke. And with the Heineke move, it led to not only national media people, but also local media people sort of confirming what we have suspected all along that Desmond Ritter that that move was made with the idea of Taylor Heineke pushing Desmond Ritter, who is the presumptive starter for the Atlanta Falcons in 2023. And I think, as I said, we've been on this track for a while. But as throughout this process, I've maintained here on the podcast, you can't put anything past this organization because of the whole Deshaun Watson thing where they re- we talk about zigging when you think they're going to zag. That was a major zig, right, when we thought they're going to zag. And this organization, I think we just have to sort of make peace with the idea that this organization, uh, this regime at least, is never going to publicly commit to a player like we used to see under the former regime where they were like, this guy's a Falcon for life and all that sort of stuff. You know, they will say that afterwards. And basically, after they commit the long-term extension, like we saw with Chris Lindstrom, then that will be their public declaration that this is their guy. But they'll always be like, we love the player, but we'll see. That's kind of how they're going to roll. And, you know, it gets into a conversation about what the plan is and what the plan has been. And I've maintained on this podcast for well over a year now that, you know, the Falcons, like pretty much every NFL organization, tend to make it up as they go, right? NFL teams, because the NFL stands for not for long, can only really make plans like six months at a time. This time of year, they're making plans, okay, we're going to construct our roster so that we can go out there and compete, you know, for for the next six months. And then we get to August, September, they make adjustments, they cut players, they trade players, whatever, they sign players, and then they make whatever adjustments they need to do in order for the next six months to hopefully win games and be playing meaningful football in January and February. And then that six-month plan expires and then they do it all over again and so that is kind of the way that it works in the nfl in terms of this notion that you have these long multi-year plans 
that kind of is BS at this point is what I'm trying to put forth. And when we look at these plans, these long multi-year plans, we only attribute it after the fact when they work out, right? You know, uh, you look, look at the Falcons. Like I, I know in years past, I've been like, oh, Dimitrov had this great plan when he came in. They signed Michael Turner. They drafted Matt Ryan. Then they went out and got him weapons like Tony Gonzalez. And it was like, oh, that was all part of this grand three-year plan. It was like, no, it wasn't, right? They just basically, you know, it wasn't like uh, Dimitrov sold Arthur Blank on, I think, the original Zoom interview, uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, um, you know, in that interview that this is what my plan is for the next three years, it was just like, okay, well, Michael Turner, we need to improve the running game. Michael Turner is the best option in free agency. The Dolphins passed on Matt Ryan with the number one overall pick, so we'll take advantage of that. And then, you know, the Chiefs are basically going to sell, you know, Tony Gonzalez for a second round pick, a future Hall of Famer for a second round pick. We'll take advantage. Sorry. We'll take advantage of that uh, in the future. And that's just kind of how it works. You just kind of make it up as you go. And so, you know, that being said, I do feel like the the move towards Desmond Ritter has been months in the making. Um, and I, it goes back to a conversation we had on this podcast back in early December, late November, when there was a lot of people speculating that the fact that the Falcons had not made the change from Marcus Mariota to Desmond Ritter at that point in time uh, meant that the Falcons were not in love with Desmond Ritter, uh, did not have faith in him moving forward. Um, and I thought that was, you know, basically people using what... I think it's probably conventional wisdom that if you love a player, you're going to play him as soon as possible, all that stuff and more. Uh, but I don't think that really applies to this specific regime and this organization, because if you look at this regime and what they did in year one, and we talked about this back then, you just kind of looked at, you know, the two diverging paths of Richie Grant uh, and Jalen Mayfield, right? Two day two picks from the previous year where, you know, we spent all of 2021 or we, but y'all, <laughs> not me y'all <laughs> spent all of 21 2021 complaining about why isn't richie grant on the field does this mean he's going to be a bust does it mean he's not ready all this various stuff there's a lot of energy spent on why does uh richie grant was not seeing the field and then the falcons had this plan right it's like we're going to play him when he's ready and you saw in year two for richie grant he made a big jump and i haven't heard a single person utter the the terms Richie Grant possible bust in over six months now and then you contrast that with Jalen Mayfield who the Falcons didn't really have a robust plan just kind of threw him to the wolves and you know we'll see what happens with Jalen Mayfield but it's certainly a possibility that he may be out of the league in, in a year or two or whatever the case may be so you know I think with a young quarterback like Desmond Ritter that they did actually believe in, they didn't want to make that same mistake, especially at such a critical position of throwing a guy to the wolves. That was the whole thing that we spent, you know, months talking about, you know, Aaron Donald back here behind me, <laughs> you know, there are some wolves out there that are going to tear this guy apart. If you throw him in there too, too early. Um, and I think with Desmond Ritter, you know, you have a guy that has the potential to develop, um, you know, in, into the future. And I, again, we can sit here and split hairs about when the opportune time to play Ritter was, you know, where I thought they should have played him versus where you thought they should have played him is different from, you know, we can spend all the time that we want, but at the end of the day, all we can really hope for is that, you know, six months from now or a year from now, people are not having these conversations about, oh, you know, Desmond Ritter not being the guy, similar to what we're seeing with Richie Grant, but time will tell on the issue. But I do think they had, do deserve the or they've earned at least some of the benefit of the doubt, but I'm sure many people will uh, disagree with me on that. But what I will say is I do believe in Desmond Ritter. 
Um, you know, I think he has what it takes from the neck up, especially to be a good quarterback. We're talking like a top 10, top 15 type of quarterback. And I think that's the sort of important traits that you're looking for, not necessarily the arm strength, not the athleticism, although Desmond Ritter possesses those things in enough abundance that it's not certainly a thing that is, I think, worth uh people spending a ton of time, you know, being ooing and eyeing at other potential options for them. But it's really about that neck up ability that determines whether a quarterback grows from one year to the next year, as well as stability. Right. And I was listening to, I think the Ross Tucker podcast where he had Sean King on recently, and they were talking about Jalen hurts and his development and his improvement. And I thought Sean King made a great point on that episode. I think it was Sean King that said this, but Jalen Hurts, for the first time in 2022, had the same offensive coordinator that than he's ever had. At four year, three years at Alabama, he had a different offensive coordinator a year, had a different one at Oklahoma, had a different one in Doug Peterson in year one in Philadelphia, and finally had you know the same guy uh, from one year to Shane Steichen and Nick Sirianni from one year to the next. And I think that is a is a big part of why Jalen Hurts, in addition to the neck up ability that Jalen Hurts possesses in abundance is a big reason why he was able to make the leaps that he was able to make. You look at another example of that with Josh Allen. Yeah. We marvel at the arm strength and the mobility and the athleticism and the size and all these various things, but it's really that neck up ability and the stability that Buffalo Buffalo was able to have there with the same offensive coordinator for his first four years that I think really allowed Josh Allen to go from a, you know, basically drew lock in his rookie year to, you know, arguably the second best quarterback in the NFL today. And I hope that we can see something similar with Desmond Ritter with the stability that Arthur Smith and his offense will provide in having that similar neck up ability, that intangible competitive uh, quality. Now, I would love to be able to come on this podcast, guys, and put on my profit hat and tell you, oh, it's absolutely going to work out and the Falcons going to win X number of games and, you know, this year, next year, and then win a title at this point in time. But I can't do that. But what I can sit here and tell you that I do think while their plan may not be perfect, you know, I think it is a worthwhile plan. Um, and, you know, I'm sure there'll still be a lot of people criticizing that uh, in the coming weeks, months or whatever, but ultimately they'll just have to sort of prove it on the field. And so, um, you know, I think we'll just look ahead, you know, we'll, we'll just keep looking ahead to the future rather than looking back at the past. Like I had a whole rant that I was going to go on about, you know, people still being butthurt about past decisions, you know, months ago or years ago when it came to the quarterback situation rather than focusing on the present in the future. But I will leave that rant to today. I think we're looking ahead, promising to the future because, you know, it goes back to a conversation that we had in the past on this podcast last summer, where it's like the, the, the three keys that you're looking for, for developing a young quarterback, building a stable environment that can foster that sort of development that you see consistently throughout the league where quarterbacks have success when they have, when they check as many of these boxes as possible. The first one is the running game. And I think the Falcons absolutely checked that box last year. You know, you need that for your young quarterback to not be forced to have to carry the offense with his arm before he's ready and capable enough to do that. The second thing is you want a good offensive line that can protect him. Right. And while we still have two question marks on the offensive line at left guard and right tackle moving forward, I think in general, most of us feel pretty good about the direction of that unit because of our confidence and our faith and our optimism in what Dwayne Ledford can do with that group moving forward. 
And then the third box is, you know, you got to have a defense, right? So that you're not forced to have to go out there with a young quarterback and score 30 points a game in order to win games. And obviously the Falcons have a long way to go there, but they've been making strides that started this week with some of the signings, including one that happened Monday night in Caden Ellis. And we're going to continue talking about Caden Ellis as we continue today's episode. But again, I think there are reasons for people to be optimistic about the direction of this team. That's why I am sitting here going from a year ago, being very critical about the direction of this team to being very optimistic about the direction of this team because things have changed. And again, that goes back to the rant that I'm not going to go on today, which is I think people are still stuck in the past, still married to their opinions from a year ago or six months ago or whatever, and not willing to look at, you know, what's going on here at Atlanta. And I think things are going in the right direction, whether they're going at the pace that you want them to go, you know, that's certainly up to the individual, but I think things are going in the right direction and we'll continue that conversation talking about what Caden Ellis can bring to the defensive side of the ball as we continue today's episode. But first, guys, I want to tell you that it is beyond the midpoint of the NBA season, and that means it's the perfect time to check out FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. You can download their app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. And when you use it, make sure you check out their no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That means if your first bet doesn't win, you get bonus bets back uh, and you can do anything you know, put that first bet on, you know, money line, point spreads, parlays, whatever you want. And, you know, of course, you can bet NBA, you can bet football, XFL's going on, you can bet NFL draft props, all that and more. So don't miss your chance to check out your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So, guys, before we continue our conversation today on today's episode about Caden Ellis, I do have a couple of homework assignments that I would appreciate you, especially those of you that are watching on YouTube. Uh, I'll link to the previous episode in the card above um, or somewhere on the screen <laughs> uh, where I, we did my free agent wish list and I mentioned Caden Ellis as my preferred signing at the linebacker position and i kind of went through and broke that down so that will be worthwhile to take a deeper look in sort of what caden ellis is that we won't necessarily rehash on today's episode but i think that starts around like the 31 minute mark so go check that out and he also did a great interview i think it's the boot crew media youtube channel and i don't want to butcher the guy's name so i won't say uh his name um but he did a great interview there. He was talking about how he worked with Ryan Nielsen. He was talking about sort of why he was able to take that step this past year in part due to the stability, referring back, uh, call back there, um, that he was able to get because previously he had been basically, you know, as a backup, been trying to master three positions because in the event of an injury, you'd have to be inserted at one of three positions. But with the injury to Pete Warner last year, he was able to focus on one position and basically be the best will linebacker that he could possibly be. That's a 20 minute episode. I'll link to that in the description below, but I think those are worthwhile, uh, you know, 25, 30 minutes of your day to go check that out. If you want to get deeper into Caden Ellis, but the gist of Caden Ellis, the Falcons signed into a three-year deal worth 21 and a half million dollars with 11 million guaranteed. I think in that previous, episode i projected him for like a three-year 20 million dollar deal so that's right in line with that and my expectation is that caden ellis is going to come in be a will linebacker playing next to mike uh 
Troy Anderson, who's going to be that Mike Landbaker. Troy Anderson is basically going to be our version of Demario Davis, but a kind of a combination of what Pete Warner also brought to the table. And Ellis is going to be that Will Linebacker that is kind of a combination of what Demario Davis did and Pete Warner as well. So it, it's a guy that's going to be a solid run defender. He's decent in coverage, not going to be a guy that you're going to ask to go out there and, and blanket Alvin Kamara or anything like that, because primarily his role on third downs is going to be the rush to quarterback. That is what he does best. He played uh, edge rusher at Idaho in college and has used that skill set to be a very productive pass rusher, especially over the final eight games of last year where he had six sacks across those eight games, seven sacks total. Um, and I think moving forward, you can have a realistic expectation that, you know, Caden Ellis can, you know, get four to six sacks every single year and really enhance this Falcons pass rush. We saw Demario Davis for years in New Orleans, you know, average, I think, four and a half sacks per year as one of the top pass rushing linebackers in the NFL. And, you know, the fact that Caden Ellis was able to basically push Demario Davis aside, uh, tells you that the Saints thought that he was probably, you know, even better in that regard. But with DeMario Davis, that dynamic that he had was, you know, Davis was more the pass rusher and they always kind of paired him with a, a coverage linebacker. That was Pete Warner. That was Quan Alexander. And it wasn't because Davis is limited in coverage or anything. He's a very good coverage linebacker, but it was just kind of like, okay, this guy on third downs is going to rush the quarterback quite a bit. And this other guy is going to drop in the coverage primarily. And I think you're going to see a similar dynamic with Ellis being the pass rusher and Anderson being the coverage guy. But we know Anderson also can bring that heat as a pass rusher. So uh, I, I think it does work in that regard. And, you know, when you look at what Caden Ellis can bring to the table in terms of his upside for this Falcons defense, you just look at some of the pro football focus grades he had last year. You know, he was the 11th highest graded linebacker in the NFL in 2022, primarily because of how dominant he was in the second half. You look from week 10 on when he was the starter filling in for Pete Warner and continued to get reps after Werner's, you know, return to the lineup, that's how good he was during that month-long stretch. You know, from week 10 on, his PFF grade as a linebacker, he was top five highest-graded linebacker. He was the third highest-grade run defender during that stretch. He had the most sacks, the most pressures among linebackers during that stretch, and he was seventh in run stops. And so if you're getting a continuation of what Caden Ellis was for those final eight games, you're getting, you know, an outstanding, potentially Pro Bowl-caliber player. You're getting an outstanding run defender. You're getting an outstanding pass rusher. And even even if he does come back down to earth a little bit and there's only 75% of the player that he was during those final eight games, he's still going to be a very good run defender and a very capable pass rusher in that regard. So I think you're getting a quality starter. And, you know, I think when we talk about him uplifting this defense, he's going to help this defense. But I also think a big factor in terms of this defense going to a next level and particularly this linebacker group going to the next level is seeing Troy Anderson make a year two jump like we were talking about earlier with Richie Grant. And that's going to be probably something that we'll take a deeper look in later this offseason to sort of talk about the potential ceiling of where this defense could be if Anderson makes that jump. But I do think Caden Ellis is going to, you know, solidify that second spot and give you, you know, basically a better version of, of Rashawn Evans, right? Rashawn Evans was a capable pass rusher, a capable run defender in a limited coverage guy. And I think Caden Ellis is going to be better in all three of those areas than Rashawn Evans. So that I think it is an upgrade in that regard, but uh, we'll probably talk a little bit more with K about Caden Ellis, as well as David Onyemata later this week, possibly even tomorrow's episode with Ross Jackson of locked on saints. But up next we have locked on bucks. No, rather locked on commanders co-host David Harrison, giving us the inside scoop on Taylor Heineke, and we'll wrap up today's Locked On Falcons talking about that, guys. 
But first, I want to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by the Ultimate Football GM. This is a fun new mobile game. And if you want to put on your own GM hat and, you know, pretend, do your best Terry Fontenot impression, you can do so with this hiring coaches, coordinators, trades, free agency, the draft, go through all the ups and downs of the season. You know, it's a very challenging, it's a very realistic game. You can it's completely free you can play it offline play as you go uh all that and more i actually put down the guy the game recently uh because i found it a little bit too challenging i just couldn't get over the hump uh being you know getting bounced in the second round of the playoffs every single year but i'll pick the game right back up and see if i can sort of get over the hump and, and build myself a, a championship caliber team and you can do so yourself and when you do you'll get a hundred percent free boost by using the promo code locked on in all caps that's l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n in all caps so make sure you check it out today and if you want to download the game just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up in your app stores again that's ultimate-gm.com ultimate football gm start your dynasty today all right everyone we are back with another illustrious guest none other than david harrison you have seen him many times here on locked on falcons over the years as one of the co-hosts of the locked on bucks podcast but he is here in his second incarnation as the co-host of the locked on commanders podcast here with us to talk about one of the newest falcons in quarterback taylor heineke uh, David, man, how are you doing today? Uh, you know, I'm doing well. I'm, I would be doing a little bit better if the news was that Taylor Heineke had re-signed with the Washington Commanders. They went the Atlanta Falcons. But I got to tip my cap to the Falcons because David Onyemata was a guy that I really wanted to see get signed by the Buccaneers. They need some defensive line help. I wanted to see them sign him the last time he re-signed with the Saints anyway. So I've had my eye on him for a while. Jesse Bates was kind of my pipe dream to go to Washington. They released their free safety. I didn't really think it would happen, but I was like, you know, if, if we're living in Madden world, maybe I can get Jesse Bates to the commanders. And then Taylor Heineke is one of my favorite commanders uh, this, this past season. And uh, yeah, the Falcons just, just took them all. Maybe I'm, I'm a closet Falcons fan, actually. <laughs> we'll, we'll see about that when we get to uh, September uh, on yeah. that front. But um, you know, Heineke is an interesting player just because, you know, the quarterback situation in Washington has been very, let's say, cloudy the last couple of years. But he's been kind of the guy over the last two seasons that has emerged as their best option when it, it comes to going out there and playing winning football. Um, you know, do you feel like what what is it about Taylor Heineke that has allowed him to emerge in that role? Uh, honestly, it's his authenticity. He's he's he is a true guy like the guy that you see in the press conference on the field the emotion the excitement like that's that's taylor heineke like there's there's nothing fake about about what taylor heineke brings to to a football team and that's really what makes him such a magnet to the other players in the locker room and it makes them want to play better for him now obviously this is a situation where uh not many if any players on that on that roster already know taylor they've obviously probably seen him heard of him things like that but as far as actually getting to know him but the, but what makes him such an easy draw to people is, again, once he gets into that locker room, once he gets to like OTAs uh, and does all those things, and I can promise you he's going to be there for the offseason workout programs. He's going to be there for all the voluntary stuff. Like that Taylor Heineke will be uh, a guy that's present. Once they start to get to know him and they get in the meetings with him, they're going to find out that th this dude doesn't have like a fake bone in his body. It doesn't appear. And that's what draws people to him. And then the fighting spirit. I mean, the, the man plays, Terry McLaurin described it as he plays every snap 
like it's the last snap he's ever going to play. It doesn't matter if you're up 30, down 30, first play of the game, last play of the game. The man goes out there with, with his hair on fire. And it really just kind of, I think it kind of rekindles like the childhood love of the game that sometimes professionals can forget because it becomes a profession uh, eventually and everything becomes a job. Taylor helps keep it fun and keep it fresh. And that's really the biggest thing that he brings to a team. So it sounds like from what you're describing, probably the main motivation that the Falcons had to bringing in Taylor Heineke is to really push Desmond Ritter, that he's going to give him a real battle in training camp. Is that a fair statement? I think so. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think Taylor Heineke can definitely give Desmond Ritter uh, a run for his money. Um, you know, physically speaking, like Taylor Heineke's limitations are his limitations. They're not going anywhere. He doesn't have the biggest NFL arm. Uh, sometimes his accuracy is, is a little bit suspect, especially over the middle. Like that's something to watch when you get to training camp is if he's got to throw over in the middle, really over the middle, over his offensive line. Like something that drove me crazy for the last two years of covering the Washington Commanders is how little they actually moved the pocket for Taylor Heineke because he's a short guy. Like he's listed taller, but look, I'm 5'10". I don't know that Taylor Heineke is much taller than 5'10". He's listed taller, but I don't know that he's much taller, okay? So he's looking over these massive offensive linemen. I know they're kind of squatted, but even squatted, they're taller than he is. And that's where you get some of the trajectory issues over the middle uh, that you do. So the best thing for the Falcons to do is kind of move the pocket. You look at Desmond Ritter, and he's, you know, I'm not going to tell you guys anything you don't know about Desmond Ritter. So I think that the two play styles kind of fit, even though they look like really different types of quarterbacks. And and honestly, if, if they move Taylor Heineke around enough and allow him to kind of be that on-the-move type of quarterback, I absolutely think that he's going to give Desmond Ritter a run for his money. The great thing here, Aaron, with Taylor Heineke is if he doesn't win the starting job for whatever reason, he is going to be the best backup that Desmond Ritter could ever ask for. Like, Taylor's going to help him study, help him prep, help him game plan, help him warm up, give him advice on the sideline. Hey, I saw this. What did you see? Like, Taylor Heineke is the ultimate team player, whether he's on the field or off of it. And for a young quarterback, if Desmond comes there and then beats him out for the starting job, that's a great thing to have because you don't have to worry about is Taylor breathing down your neck. Like, Taylor is not wishing ill on anybody. Now, the Heineke Hive might wish ill on Desmond Ritter to get Taylor Heineke on the field. Carson Wentz learned that very quickly in his time in Washington. So that's a little bit different. But look, Taylor, he loves a Heineke Hive, but Taylor doesn't. I mean, he, he doesn't drive that ship. You know what I mean? He's just got his name on it. I understand. Look, Look, Falcon fans are very familiar with, uh, let's call it factions when it comes to, yeah, you know, different yeah. quarterbacks. Uh, so that that will be nothing new. So the Heineke Hive making its way down south to oh. Atlanta, where Taylor Heineke, you know, kind of has a, a little bit of a home base because he comes yeah. from that area uh, wow. just right up the road from Atlanta. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that that could be a thing. But basically, David, it sounds like you're basically describing the perfect backup. You're you're Absolutely. you're describing a player that can legitimately come in here and make Desmond Ritter and push him and challenge him every single day. Uh, but in the realm of if Desmond Ritter is challenged and rises to that challenge, then he'll be the perfect guy to have in that film room. Is that a fair uh, uh, yeah. summary of what you're saying? Yeah, 100 percent. And remember, this is a guy that when he thought his NFL playing days were over, he actually reached out to Scott Turner for a coaching job. Like, so this is a guy who he he has a passion for teaching. And he want again, he's a team player, he wants to see everybody succeed, whether he's on the field or not, was super pumped to 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 watch Sam Howell go out there and, and lay one on the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, you know, you talk about just a, a genuine person, you know what I mean? That's really what you're getting 
uh, in Taylor Heineke. And, and it's a great story, man. Like I couldn't, I'm sad for me because now I don't get to see Taylor Heineke next year in the locker room and on the practice field and all that stuff. And he's one of the favorite commanders I have in that locker room, but I'm so happy for him. Cause I mean, he, he's that's, and I did a bonus show about Taylor Heineke leaving and some options for the commanders moving forward. And I literally said from the couch to the bends, like this dude was sleeping on a couch in flower, flowery branch, Georgia, three years ago, four years ago, when he got the call that his NFL career wasn't over. Next thing you know, he's in D.C. He's got that playoff moment against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where they lose, but that's the birth of the Heineke Hive and then everything that he's kind of been through now. And now he's going back to Flowery Branch for training camp, and he's going to be playing in the Mercedes-Benz Dome? Or is is, is this Mercedes-Benz Superdome? Stadium. Stadium? We don't don't say Superdome, no. I was going to say, I don't know what it's called, but the Benz, right? That's what I'm calling it. It's the Benz. And and not only that, but he's a he's a Brett Favre fan. Like the Green Bay Packers were his favorite team growing up. Him and his father, uh, who unfortunately has passed away since, is they were Packers fans. They loved Brett Favre. That's why he wears number four. Brett Favre's first team, the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, I, I don't know who wears number four for Atlanta, but I hope that Taylor gets to do it because Taylor getting to wear Brett Favre's number on a team that Brett Favre played for in the city that he once slept on. again. Like the whole sleep, it's probably overplayed. But, like, bro, like, the story is just amazing. And if Taylor Heineke wasn't coming back to Washington, wasn't going to Green Bay, like, Green Bay or Atlanta, like, that's the only two spots I would want to see Taylor go to. Uh, so to see him going to Atlanta is, is great for, for him. Super happy for him. Uh, and he's a Lego aficionado. So if Falcons fans, if you're Lego people, follow him on Instagram. And that dude, does, he does some sick stuff with Legos. So, yeah, congrats. Okay. All right. All right, I appreciate that recommendation. Uh, Desmond Ritter is number four on, on the Falcons. So oh, is he? Well, you know what? Give it up, bro. Give All it up. right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, it, you know, there's been lots of speculation that he might switch to his collegiate number of number nine, but okay. that's Lorenzo Carter's number. It's, it's a whole thing. So th- yeah. they will figure it out. We'll but, it out. David, I really appreciate you coming on, joining me, sharing your insights into Taylor Heineke, and Sorry. let the people know, you know, what you got on deck for them for Locked On Commanders and Locked On Bucks. Yeah, I mean, just going through this crazy offseason, the commanders are trying to make some moves. Not not quite as impressive as the Falcons are doing, but they're making some moves. The Bucs, uh, I don't know, eventually they'll do something. I, you know, Baker Mayfield, maybe, I don't know. Uh, last place in the NFC South, apparently, is where they're headed, uh, looking at, at all the offseason moves. Drake, Drake, Caleb, you're going to go from man. Tom Brady being the best quarterback in the division to now you got Derek Carr, Desmond Ritter, and potentially Taylor Heineke, and then the number one overall pick, which... Uh, different discussion, but if, if I'm the Carolina Panthers, it's CJ Stroud, not Bryce Young. Um, regardless, you know, obviously going to be reacting to all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then, yeah, just, just sitting back in awe of what the Atlanta Falcons are doing. Usually it's the Saints that are stealing my guys. Now it's the Falcons, so I just I can't get a break. Yeah, well, you know, one day, one day, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what <laughs> happens with the Bucs. They're going through their own little cap hell purgatory, yeah. whatever you want to call it, uh, and maybe they come out a little bit uh, rosier like the Falcons. We'll have done yeah. this offseason. So we'll we'll see. Hey man. Hat tip. Excites exciting time. Rising up is is definitely a word uh, <laughs> or a couple words that could be used. Like it's it's impressive. Okay. I'm happy for you. All right, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> So, guys, that's going to do it for us on today's episode. Thank you to David Harrison. Um, tomorrow, we'll, we should learn that all these moves are official as of 4 p.m. Eastern time. Um, and later in the week, potentially on tomorrow's as well, we'll have some guests break down some of these signings, give us the insights from, like I said, Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints. We'll potentially be joined by Locked On Bengals hosts, Locked On Patriots as well for John o. Smith, Locked On Bengals, obviously for Jesse Bates. And we'll see who else the Falcons wind up signing. Yeah, obviously, the moves are not over. 
Um, and we'll see, you know, what else the Falcons add, you know, the big money is in these first wave of free agency, which usually lasts about to what Sunday, Monday, and then things tend to get a little bit quiet. Once guys realize, oh, the, all the big money contracts have kind of dried up, then you'll start getting the bargains and that we know that's where Terry Fontenot and company, uh, you know, have done their best work. So still probably a lot more moves on the horizon for the Atlanta Falcons. And of course, we'll have you covered here on lockdown Falcons. And we thank you for your first listen, but check out. Your second listen, Locked On NFL Draft, where hosts Damian Parson and Keith Sanchez of the Draft Network are providing that in-depth coverage on the top prospects, deep dives into the sleepers and hidden gems that can change your favorite team's fortunes. So check out Locked On NFL Draft wherever you get your podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.